Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Why not take a break from the holiday madness for a free walk with us? Ocean State Bird Club features year-round walks, lectures, informal gatherings, and more. We're online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and Facebook. Plus, a membership makes an easy holiday gift. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 757. A little winter wonderland music, please. Just a suggestion that one of the best things to do outdoors in this holiday season is to take part in a Christmas bird count. A huge event sponsored by National Audubon and a fun thing to do outside for a few hours while you help contribute to scientific research about bird populations. Lots of clubs all over North America and beyond doing this between December 14th and January 5th. How many folks are doing this? 69,820. That's pretty close, actually. But the real number of observers in the 2018 count set a new record with a grand total of 76,987 participants. Nearly 59,000 in the U.S., more than 14,000 in Canada, and about 4,000 in Latin America, the Caribbean, and the Pacific Islands. Everybody's doing it, and if you'd like to join in or find out more about it, if it's new to you, just go to Audubon.org, that's National Audubon, or contact your nearest Audubon chapter or your local bird club. Meanwhile, it may be getting ever so slightly harder to see the birds that we're trying to view, and that's because, according to measurements made at Chicago's Field Museum, birds are getting smaller. They've measured a lot of birds there, more than 70,000 in the past 40 years, and data recently examined there by University of Michigan researchers indicates that birds' body size is decreasing, while their wing size is increasing. What's going on? Well, the scientists say that as the climate warms, birds may shrink because their body temperatures require less regulation or insulation. Kind of like how southern birds tend to be smaller than northern birds and other creatures too. So that means their metabolism has to work even harder to power their wings, especially for migrating birds. So the researchers suggest that the birds have grown longer wings to compensate for those smaller bodies. A University of Michigan spokesman says, quote, the consistency of the body size declines reported in the new study suggests that such changes should be added to the list of challenges facing wildlife in a rapidly warming world, end quote. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you right now on our beautiful new TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page. Extinct in the wild, a Brazilian bird makes a tentative return to the forest. Borneo is burning. Illegal fires are raging as farmers destroy the rainforest to cash in 
on the growing demand for something used in half of all supermarket products. Right, palm oil. And zebra finches survive Australian heat waves by predicting high temperatures. Some of the stories you can find right now on our TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page. And by the way, if you visit the website, don't forget to check out our new Kids in Nature page for some terrific ideas about getting kids interested in and excited about nature and birds. Well, bad news about those heat waves and fires as our planet continues warming at an alarming pace. But here's a bit of hopeful news, important because it's part of an encouraging trend. The largest coal-burning power plant in the western United States has closed its doors for good. The Navajo Generating Station was run for 45 years in Arizona. And USA Today reports that the mine that supplied the plant with coal has also closed. That happened in August. A spokesperson for the Salt River Project, which is one of the utility companies involved, says that the power entity is replacing its share of the station's generating capacity with natural gas from other power plants. And more importantly, will also be utilizing new solar resources. One of the major goals of the project is to reduce carbon by 60% by 2035 and by 90% by 2050. It's only one plant, but it is part of a hopeful trend toward moving away from coal completely. That's the sound of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming up a little bit later in the program in which we have some beautiful prizes from Droll Yankees and Larkwire, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. We also have some coffee, lots and lots of coffee, and even something to carry the coffee in. But uh, let's get on to the clues here. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a rusty brown cap, a rusty brown crown, we should say, a gray head, a rust-colored eye stripe, and a bicolored bill. The upper mandible is dark. The lower mandible is yellow. It has two white wing bars and a rather long tail, a rusty brown back with dark streaks, buff-colored sides, and a gray belly with a small dark spot in the center. Our bird is a common winter visitor all across the northern United States, and despite its name, it usually forages and nests on the ground. That seems like some pretty good clues there on our mystery bird uh, contest. We'll do that sh in just a little bit uh, later on uh, in this morning's uh, program. Uh, meanwhile, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about Dunkin' Donuts and Honeydew Donuts finally getting, ready of the, getting rid of those polystyrene plastic foam cups in favor of recyclable and um, reusable cups cardboard cups are recyclable and compostable in many cases. So here's a message to someone named Kathy. Daniel Truett Kathy, that is. He is the chairman, president, and CEO of fast food chain Chick-fil-A. The message borrowed from ESPN football broadcasts is, come on, man. It's in reference to the fact that Chick-fil-A continues to refuse to get rid of their plastic foam cups. 
as most of the major coffee and fast food chains have now done. So to Daniel at Chick-fil-A. Come on, man. Okay, cue the Hawaiian music, please. This is not only Hawaiian, this is Christmas music, too, kind of appropriate. But this is not about Christmas. This is about our conservation salute of the week, which goes to the City Council of Honolulu, Hawaii. A headline on the website cleantechnica.com proclaims Honolulu makes history with comprehensive plastic bill. This past Wednesday, the Honolulu City Council, governing body for the island of Oahu, passed on a 7-2 vote one of the strictest bans on plastics in the country, closing loopholes in the existing ordinance on plastic bags and prohibiting single-use plastic utensils and polystyrene foam containers. The decision follows similar plastic bans adopted on two other Hawaiian islands, Businesses not adhering to the law would face fines of up to $1,000 a day, although they can file for an exemption if they can't find reasonable non-plastic replacements. The measure now goes to Mayor Kirk Caldwell there in Honolulu. And if he signs it into law, as is expected, the restrictions would be phased in starting in 2021. Well, it's a great time of year to be thankful for lots of things and as we have said the last few weeks thankful for our beautiful talking birds ambassadors their listeners who have agreed to help us spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation and thank you to elise torello from wakefield rhode island thank you elise for your kind thoughts about the show and also for recruiting your husband bill as an ambassador too That is a beautiful thing, and thank you, Bill, for allowing yourself to be recruited. That would be Bill McCusker from that same address in Wakefield, Rhode Island. And one other thing we have to say to Haylise, happy birthday. We found out it's her birthday, her first as a Talking Birds ambassador. Meanwhile, our best ambassador idea of the week goes to our friend Candy Powell in Jamestown, Rhode Island who's including Talking Birds cards in her Christmas card mailings. That is a cool idea. Thank you, Candy. And thank you to Sarah in Los Angeles, who's planning to do the same. We'll hear more about Sarah on an upcoming show. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family by allowing us to send you some of our little info cards for you to hand out at your convenience to friends and neighbors and fellow birders. To join the family, just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com, click on the Get Involved button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor from the famous Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod in our Let's Ask Mike segment, in which Mike will answer the question, should we capitalize the names of birds, common names of birds? This is an ongoing battle in the birding world. Uh, Mike has some opinions about that, and so do we. We'll find out what he thinks coming up. And up next, a bird that may be hard to separate from a close relative until you hear its distinctive call is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend is one of the few birds found exclusively in the United States. 
It's very similar to a much more common relative with American in its name, although it's now considered more closely related to a couple of birds usually seen in Mexico. The bird is the fish crow. Common on the southeast coast of the U.S. and gradually expanding its range northward to places like New England. So how to tell the fish crow apart from the common American crow? Well, it's a bit smaller and slimmer than the American crow, and its plumage is more silky smooth. The fish crow also has more of a tendency to hunch and fluff up its throat feathers when it calls. And it's those calls that are the most reliable way to separate the fish crow from the American crow. Here's the American crow. And here's the fish crow. American crow. Fish crow. The fish crow tends to be found near the water, and as its name would suggest, it eats fish, as well as crabs, shrimps, and other invertebrates, along with eggs and nestlings, small reptiles, fruits and grains, and pretty much anything else. By the way, if you see a crow dropping a clam or a nut from above to break it on a hard surface, it's probably not a fish crow. They don't seem to have figured that one out. The fish crow. Today's Talkin' Birds, featured feathered friend. Ah, beautiful fish crows. Gorgeous, but I guess not that smart uh, for a crow. Thanks for being with us on our show here, number 757. Please do visit our beautiful new website. It's, we think you'll like it. It has lots of cool info and pictures and stuff like that. And do follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. Coming along in just a little bit, our mystery bird contest. And if we have time later, we'll even have a bonus question for our mystery bird contest uh, winner this morning. That mystery bird contest here in just one minute. Birds and Beans announces its holiday gift box. It's the perfect gift for your coffee-loving friends. 12 12-ounce bags of great-tasting Birds and Beans coffee. Two bags each of Wood Thrush Breakfast Roast, American Red Start Light Roast, Scarlet Tanager French Roast, Chestnut Sided Warbler Medium Roast, Baltimore Oriole French Roast Decaf, and the newest roast, King Bird Espresso. All ground and ready to brew or whole bean if you prefer, and all for $120. That's a savings of more than $40. Shipping still only $9. 50 any volume anywhere in the USA. The offer ends soon, so order online now at birdsandbeans.com. Treat your friends and family to delicious birds and beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee, and help save birds in their wintering habitat in the process. Don't wait. Order the holiday gift box. 12 12-ounce bags of delicious birds and beans, shade-grown, certified organic, fair trade coffee now at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. There's our mystery bird. A lot of really interesting things about this bird, but we have to figure out what the bird is first. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Beautiful prizes this morning, including the Droll Yankees Cute Feeder. That's a feeder with a height-adjustable dome, you can decide which size birds you'd like to uh, visit your, your feeder in any particular day. 
It holds a cup of sunflower seed or mixed seed fruit or mealworms. It's from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. Bonus prize number one, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Bonus prize number two, a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. And bonus prize number three, this is a double prize. Check this out. Also from our friends at Birds and Beans, their exclusive Tom Bin Cafe bag, designed to help you carry and organize your everyday gear. You can wear it cross-body or over the shoulder. It's perfect for every day and for the field. And as the folks at Tom Bin like to say, Siquid mantica non capit domi relinquendum est. If it doesn't fit in your knapsack, leave it behind. And here's the uh, second part of that. This knapsack doesn't come to you empty. It contains a two-pound bag of delicious birds and beans coffee. That's for our Mystery Bird Contest winner on this morning's show. The clues for a mystery bird, it's a small songbird with a rusty brown crown, a gray head, a rust-colored eye stripe, and a bicolored bill. The upper mandible is dark, the lower mandible is yellow. It has two white wing bars and a rather long tail. A rusty brown back with dark streaks, buff-colored sides, and a gray belly with a small dark spot in the center. Our bird is a common winter visitor all across the United States, the northern United States, that is. And despite its name, it usually forages and nests on the ground. The number to call, and we urge you to do it as soon as you can, 781-837-4900 with your guess or definitive answer. 781 837 4900. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor is standing by at the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, for Let's Ask Mike Live capitalization version or uh, um, episode or something like that. Let's Ask Mike Live in just one minute. Talking Birds. We're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds in conservation. My name's Ken Salzman, and I'm calling from Bellingham, Washington. I like being a Talking Birds ambassador because it gives me a chance to get the word out about Talking Birds and know that if people listen, they'll get a wealth of information that will make them better birders. By being a Talking Birds ambassador, they can pass that on, and more people will be educated in birding and conservation in general. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Join today and thanks. Down to Cape Cod where the sun always shines and temperatures are usually in the mid-70s to uh, low 80s year-round. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatcher's General store. Good morning, Mike. Indoor temperature. Uh, I meant to add that. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we can't, yeah. Let's not get specific, though. The uh, yeah. Just kind of. Yeah. Doesn't want that to get out, right? Just kind of leave leave that out there. People can figure out what they, how they, how <laughs> they'll they wanna, find out when they get want, when they want, get here. They'll figure it out. Yeah. So we're going to tackling one of the uh, one of the great uh, issues of our time today, Mike, and that is uh, whether common names of birds should be capitalized. 
Yeah, this seems but, like an easy one to me. This seems like yeah. one that should they should have just like, oh, yeah, right, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and you get, uh, a, a few years ago, all the people from uh, National Audubon put all the eggheads in a room, all the birders and all the ornithologists and all the people in charge of text and writing, and they said, we've got to come up with a, a you know, an answer for this, and then they left and nobody had an answer. It, it, was, <laughs> it was like a political debate almost. Yeah, that's why but, they're eggheads, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of it, everybody still agreed with what they thought going in. So basically what it, what it is is, there's, since bird names uh, have a lot of adjectives built into them, you know, bluebird, yellow yeah. warbler, little yeah. gull, spotted sandpiper, it's, it's difficult when you're reading, um, when you're reading text to figure out if you're talking about a species, there's a species little gull, there's a species yellow warbler, or you're talking about a small gull, or you're talking mm-hmm. about a warbler, which there are a lot of that are yellow, yeah. or sandpiper that is a spotted sandpiper, which is a separate species, or just a, one of hundreds of, it seems, sandpipers that are spotted. So they... they the bird is okay. When we when we write it in text, we'll capitalize it. So, if it's a warble that's yellow, it's small, small letters. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's a species, then the, the Y in yellow will be yeah. capital. Oh, time. Oh, they're calling again. I'm just Johnny Olson will be checking in with you just in a few minutes here to let you know what, what you have won. What my prizes are. You know, we were no, talking... No. Okay, well, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And so uh, the American Ornithological Union, National Audubon, and the International Ornithological Congress, which seems like just uh-huh. the most superior organization in the world, so yeah. all common names... Common names will have capitals, so if we're talking about generically or yeah. talking about a species. And they all were happy and then not so fast. People like the Associated Press and even Wikipedia said, no, oh. it's not a proper name. We're not going to capitalize it. Huh. So, the, okay. so it, the, the, the debate rages on. But if you pick up a bird book from now on, mm-hmm. any kind of birding by an ornithologist or, or an author associated with birding is required to use capital names. So it's going to be a little bit confusing, but anybody, and I know a lot of people who listen to your show, Ray, are genuine uh, authors. And so if they're going to They're not writing, all named Arthur, but some of them are. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they should, you know, get into this. And, you know, and I, I've written a few things, and I, it's funny, because I, I write a weekly column, I capitalize all the common bird names, and then Immediately, the newspaper flips them around, and they put and they, lowercase. They put them to Weird. lowercase. Well, and you know, we were we were talking about uh, off the air before about you know the point of grammar is uh, to make things clear. So if you're going to use uh, lowercase letters on a bird, that's not clear if it says it's yellow not clear, warbler. Right. right, it adds to the confusion, yeah. and 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 you know, and newspaper people. I'm not going to say they don't care, but it doesn't mean much to them because they don't, you know, you, you tell them about a yellow warbler, they don't care what that is. They don't know what that is. They, you know, so they don't understand the confusion, which is fine. And then one time, um, one time they were, I wrote a, like a, about a white-breasted nuthatch, and, and they, were so, they were in such a hurry to change the N in nuthatch mm-hmm. to a lower case, they hit the wrong button. So I ended up writing about a butt hatch. <laughs> <laughs> and people were blaming me. I said, I didn't write it. I didn't give it to them that way. 
but when they did the editing, they kind of screwed it up. So it's too bad because a butt hatch would be kind of a cool bird. To yeah, well, that's a, I like that. Well, Mike, we're in agreement, I think, on this, right? On the capitalization. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. yeah. The bird is our. We'll see what we can get the other. You know. Other yeah, and, and next week we'll try to settle the problem of the Oxford comma. There's another big debate. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Thank I you, Mike. I will sleep all week. All right, talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Mike O'Connor, there at the uh, Bird Watchers General Store. That's capital M-I-K-E, capital O, apostrophe C-O-N-N-O-R. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. Back to the mystery bird uh, contest here. 781-837-4900 is the number to identify or take a guess at our mystery bird. A small songbird with a rusty brown crown, a gray head, a rust-colored eye stripe, and a bicolored bill, the upper mandible dark and the lower mandible yellow. But I think we have Ken in Bellingham, Washington, uh, as our first caller here this morning. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing well, and uh, people might have figured out that we've already heard you on the air once this morning. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's kind of an amazing coincidence. <laughs> uh, what we're talking about is Ken is uh, one of our new ambassadors, or um, has been an ambassador for a bit, and we just heard him uh, doing that little promotional announcement about our ambassadors program. So thank you for that, Ken. You're very welcome. That doesn't mean you automatically win the Mystery Bird Contest, of course. You, you must get the correct answer here. Just to be fair. Oh, well, hopefully I'll get it. Okay. Well, what do you uh, what do you say that uh, mystery bird is then, Ken? I believe we're talking about an American tree sparrow. We are indeed talking about the American tree sparrow. You are absolutely correct. Nice job. No wonder you're a talking birds ambassador. I'll tell you that kind of explains it there. <clears throat> okay. So listen, uh, if you'll stay on the line, uh, Ken. Jesse will arrange to uh, make sure you get all those prizes. And uh, uh, thank you again for being a Talking Birds ambassador. And once again, you're very welcome. Oh, before it's you fun. go, I've almost forgot. Well, I did forget. We have a, a bonus question here. Would you like to uh, try for that? Well, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> he said somewhat reluctantly. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go. Uh, this is a multiple choice question. What is the deepest diving duck. What is the deepest diving duck? Is it A, the common eider? B, the long-tailed duck? C, the bufflehead? Or D, we don't know because he hasn't come back up yet. Those would be your choices there, Ken. What do you think? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to guess he hasn't come back up yet. <laughs> No, he has come back up yet. We've uh, we've we've made the observation. Is that really your guess? Well, I kind of ruined it for you if it was. Um, give us another guess there, because you have three more choices there. I'll give it the eider. The common eider would be your guess on uh, on the sea of uh, oh. Oh, I'm doing awesome. Yeah, well, that was well. At least that was next in the list to the correct answer that we were looking for. The long-tailed duck. It only usually dives. Well, I learned something today. Yeah, they say it normally dives only about thirty feet, but it is said to be able to dive two hundred feet 
deeper than any other duck. So there you go. Well, good. <laughs> I won't follow him down. All right. Good idea. That's a really good idea. Ken, thank you so much. Stay, stay on the line and we'll uh, make all those arrangements. Okay. All right. That's Ken in Bellingham, Washington, correctly identifying the American tree sparrow. Here is something amazing about this bird. It seems to prefer to look for predators out of its left eye. They say the preference may be because the right hemisphere of the brain is dominant for processing visual information. However, the dark-eyed juncos examined in the same study preferred to look out of their right eyes. How about this one? Like most birds, American tree sparrows are sensitive to changes in day length, but this doesn't seem to depend on vision. Blind tree sparrows in captivity showed normal responses to increasing day length in late winter, including growth of reproductive organs. little factual information there about the American tree sparrow to wrap up our show this morning. Thank you so much for being with us, and thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Why not take a break from the holiday madness for a free walk with us? Ocean State Bird Club features year-round walks, lectures, informal gatherings, and more. We're online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and Facebook. Plus, a membership makes an easy holiday gift. Ocean State Bird Club.